The scripture reading is from 1 Timothy 2. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has now been witnessed to at the proper time, and for this purpose I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I am telling the truth, I am not lying, and a true and faithful teacher of the Gentiles. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. So I thought I would um, do something a little different today, just start us off in a different fashion by beginning by asking you all some riddles, all right, just to see if we're thinking today or not. So here's what we'll do. I will read the riddle. If you think you know the answer, just shout it out. All right, don't be afraid to take a wild guess. Nobody's going to laugh if you're wrong. We're all friends here. Um, Let's see how you do. And I should say that most of these riddles are from a website called Riddles for Kids. So I'm expecting that the grown-ups may have a hard time. That means kids, we will need your help, okay? So here's the first one. What has hands and a face but cannot hold anything or smile. Oh, man, these are not hard enough. She got it right off the bat. I heard it over here before I even finished the question. Okay, this one's a little harder. I have cities, but no houses. I have forests, but no trees. I have water, but no fish. What am I? Who said... A map. Very good. A map. Man, I didn't pick hard enough ones. All right. This one is good. What's bright orange with green on top and sounds like a parrot? A carrot. All right, all right. Man, you guys, this is a smart church. I'm tall when I'm young and I'm short when I'm old. What am I? Uh, Rebecca knows all of them. One more. I am broader than the ocean, narrower than a pin, and more urgent than a fire alarm. What am I? I am, repeat the question. I am broader than the ocean, narrower than a pin, and more urgent than a fire alarm. What am I? All right, that's not a real riddle. I made this one up, all right? Because it it ties in with the passage. So the answer is the gospel. it's, it's, It's the message of God's salvation in Christ. And let me explain, okay? So first, the gospel is broad, broader than the ocean. Now, in this, in this passage that uh, Cole read for us, 
the Apostle Paul is writing to a church leader named Timothy, and in the verses immediately prior to this passage, uh, the Apostle has just told Timothy to hold on to the faith, to fight against false doctrine, and to make sure he never loses his grip on the gospel. So, what is the gospel? The gospel is a message. It is, it is the message of what God has done to bring salvation to this world through His Son, Jesus Christ. And, and as a message, the gospel is very, very broad. It is perhaps, the gospel is perhaps the most inclusive spiritual message that this world has ever heard. So, in the passage that we just heard, did you notice how many times you see the phrase, all people? Verse, verse 1, I want you to pray for all people. Why? Because, verse 4, God wants all people to be saved. For that reason, verse 6 says, Christ gave Himself as a ransom for all people. You see the same idea in verse 7, only in different words. Paul says, I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I'm telling the truth. I'm not lying. A true and faithful teacher of the Gentiles. And the word Gentiles just means the nations. So all the people of all the nations everywhere in the entire world, the, go the gospel is broad enough for everyone. Isn't that something? The, go the gospel message, it's not limited to one ethnicity, right? It's not, it's, not, it's not reserved for one particular cultural group. The gospel is, it's not restricted to the speakers of any one language. It's not only for the rich. It's not only for the poor. It's not only for men. It's not only for women. The gospel is just radically inclusive. It's, it is that broad. So to respond to the gospel message... You don't have to be smart. You don't have to be wise. You don't have to be devout. You don't have to be disciplined. You don't have to be religious. You don't have to be married. You don't have to be straight. Listen, to respond to the gospel, you don't even have to be good, right? You, you could be the most sinful human being who ever walked, walked this planet, and God's free offer of salvation in Christ is extended to you. It's that broad. Romans chapter 10 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, without exception. Jesus said in John 6, 37, he said, whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. And he said in Matthew 7, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For, what did he say? He said, everyone who asks receives. So God's free offer of salvation in the gospel is for everyone. There's a, there's a wideness in God's mercy like the wideness of the sea. There's a kindness in His justice that is more than liberty. There is welcome for the sinner and more graces for the good. There is mercy with the Savior. There is healing in His blood. So what is broader than the ocean? The gospel. The gospel message is also narrower than a pin, than a needle. Jesus said in Matthew 22, verse, verse 14, He said, many are invited or called, but only few are chosen. 
Matthew 7, he said, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, broad is the road that leads to destruction. Many enter through it, but small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. So in, isn't it strange, kind of paradoxical, in this passage, we see an emphasis on the inclusive nature of the gospel. All people, all people, all people. We also see an emphasis on the exclusive nature of the gospel. It's broad but it's narrow. Verse 4 says God wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Do you notice that? The truth. There's only one truth. There's also, verse 5 says, only one God. And there's only one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus. Now, what, what is a mediator? Um, one biblical reference called Strong's Concordance defines it this way. It says, the Greek word translated mediator here, it means one who intervenes between two parties, either to make or restore peace and friendship or to form a compact or to ratify a covenant. So, in other words, a mediator is a go-between, right? Just, just uh, like a bridge that spans a huge chasm, a mediator connects people who otherwise would forever be kept apart. And it says here there's, there's one God, there's one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus. In other words, the only way for anyone ever to be welcomed into a relationship with our Creator, the only way is through faith in Jesus Christ. He and He alone is the bridge that spans the chasm. Jesus taught this. You know, he, Jesus said in John 14, 6, He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me. The, the, the early church taught this. The apostle Peter in Acts 4, verse 12, he said, salvation is found in no one else. There's no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. So the, the only way for anyone ever to be welcomed into a relationship with God is through God, through God's Son. Now, now someone might say, isn't that disrespectful to other religions. And listen, it's not intended to be. Not at all. The, the, New, the New Testament tells us very clearly we should never, ever, ever disrespect anyone regardless of what they believe. You see, when it says here there's, there's one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, this is not saying that Christians are better than other people. No, it, it, this is saying that all people are equally lost. Whether you grew up in a Christian home or you were raised in another faith or you never had any faith at all, Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so this is why verse 6 says that Christ gave himself, gave himself on the cross as a ransom. One scholar named John Stott commenting on that verse, he said this, a ransom was the price paid for the release of slaves or captives. The word implies that we were in captivity to sin and judgment, unable to save ourselves, and that the price paid for our deliverance was the death of Christ in our place. The, the only way for 
any of us to be rescued from our captivity to sin and brought into a relationship with, with God is through the atoning death of God's Son, Jesus. So isn't this something? Everyone in the world, everyone in the world is invited. But there's only one way to get in. And that, that way is by genuinely repenting of our sin and turning to Christ with simple trust in what He did on the cross. So the gospel is broad, broader than the ocean. You, you've never laid eyes, your whole life, you've never laid eyes on anyone who's not invited to come to Christ and find forgiveness, ever, ever. It's broader than the ocean, but it's narrower than a pin. There's only one way. And, getting back to the riddle, it's more urgent than a fire alarm. So verse 4 says God wants, God wants all people to be saved. And when you read that, a good question to ask is, save from what? Save, save from loneliness? Save, save from frustration? Save from financial debt? Save from low self-esteem? Listen, none of those things are good, right? But but none of them are so bad that they would merit the Son of God giving His life as a ransom for us. No, listen, in, in the context here, the word saved, this is talking about salvation from the coming judgment of God, or if we could just be frank about it. This is talking about salvation from hell. The gospel is an urgent, urgent message because God wants all people to be safe, and because there's only one way for that to happen, there's only one mediator, this, this is perhaps the most urgent message that could ever be proclaimed. And because it's urgent, the apostle says, we need to pray for all people. Verse 1, he says, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, thanksgiving be made for all people. <laughs> now, there are many ways, of course, we can pray for people. We can pray for their health, pray for their finances, pray for their work. Those things are good. But the context here, I think, is implying that we should be praying for all people to come to a knowledge of the truth and find salvation through, through faith in Jesus Christ. And, and what's emphasized here is how urgent that assignment is for us. How, how urgent is it? Well, you'll notice the apostle does not say, hey, I've got a suggestion for you. Maybe you'd like to consider this. Have you ever thought of spending some time in prayer? He doesn't say that. He says, I urge you. I'm urging you. The Greek, the Greek verb that's translated urge can mean to urge, to exhort, to beseech, to beg, to entreat, to admonish. He says, I'm urging you. And then he says, first of all. Like, put, put this first. Now, let, let's be honest. Um, sometimes for us, we treat prayer as kind of an afterthought. After we've done everything we can do, and there's not, nothing left, maybe we'll just tack on this little religious ritual at the end of the day or at the end of a meeting. It's just, no, no Paul says, no, this is first importance. Even more important than, than talking to people about God. He would say, more important is talking to God about people. Pray for them. I, he says, I urge them, first of all, and then he says that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made. Isn't that interesting how many words he uses to describe prayer? 
Why is that? Scholars have uh, struggled over the years to understand the distinction between these terms. What's the difference between petition and intercession? What's the difference between a prayer and a petition? You know, no, nobody's exactly sure, all right? But clearly, to, to, to the apostle, prayer was not some simplistic task that could be summed up in just one word. Let's pray. Okay, let's pray. No, no, no. To, to, to the apostle, Prayer was a complex, nuanced activity that required a whole vocabulary of words to describe it, which to me just kind of drives home how important it is. Listen, when something's important to you, you just instinctively develop a, a, a rich, complex vocabulary to talk about it. So like musicians, musicians have a whole vocabulary of terms that they use to describe music. Crescendo, allegro, dulce, staccato. What do those words mean? I don't know, but musicians do, right? Because music is important to them. They have more than one word for it. The same with sports, sports fans have a whole vocabulary. No, no baseball fan would describe a pitch this way. Well, the one guy threw the ball to the other guy. No, they wouldn't say that. They would say something like, you know, working from the stretch in a two-and-one count, he threw a four-seam fastball, low and outside. They just have a vocabulary to describe it. Why? Because it's important to them. Isn't it something that early Christians to whom this book was written, it seems that they had a whole vocabulary of words to talk about prayer. This is so important, a subject for them. Petitions, prayers, intercessions, thanksgiving. This is so urgent. Paul says, I urge you to pray. Be praying for people. God wants all people, all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. But there's only one God. And there's only one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus. Therefore, he says, pray. The whole world is invited. But, but there's only one way in. So pray for wonder uh, how you would pray. How would you pray for friends and family members of you, yours? And you're not judging them, but as far as you can tell, it, it doesn't seem that they've come to know Christ. You don't seem to know Him that way. How would you pray? Well, you might just pray in general for the message to go forward all over the world. We ought to be praying for, for missionaries and churches and, and preachers, just praying that the Word of God would run forward, especially into those parts of the, of the world where it's not been heard yet, right? As, as you pray for people, you, you could pray for the Holy Spirit to accompany the Word, for the Spirit of God graciously to be poured out on our neighborhood, turning the hearts of many to faith and repentance. It, you, you could pray for people's understanding to be opened. You know, people are not dumb, but there's something that just blinds us from really seeing our need for salvation and seeing the beauty of Jesus. Just pray, Holy Spirit, would you, as you pray for your cousin, your sister, your son, your daughter, your co-worker, God, would you just open her eyes? Would you just open his eyes? Jesus suggested another way to pray in Matthew 9. He said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. He said, pray therefore to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. These are all just different ways that we could pray, but the reason to pray is because of how urgent this message is. Now, um, the fact that Paul, isn't it interesting? He says, I was appointed a herald. I'm a teacher. I'm taking the words of the, to the Gentiles. It is important for us to share the word, right? But that's not the main thing he tells us. This is not nagging us to go witness to, to people. Sometimes that can feel like a burden. 
He's just saying to the whole church, listen, first of all, start here. Would you just start here? Pray. Why, why is that the first thing he asks us to do? I think it implies a couple of things. First of all, when he's telling us to pray rather than preach, I, I, think, I think he's telling us that the, that the main obstacle to people coming to faith in Christ is not that we haven't explained the message well enough, but that there's something in each one of us that just closes our heart, closes our mind and what we need more than anything is for the Holy Spirit to come and just very gently open that. It, it, it also implies this. If He tells us to pray, it implies very clearly that God answers prayer. Did you know that? God answers prayer. I mean, why, why else would He urge us to pray unless, unless He was convinced God is going to hear us? So, pray. I'll just close with this. It, it, you know, I, I know that most, most of us here, you've come to the place where you have. You have come to know Christ as Savior. You've trusted Him. Isn't that something to thank God for? You've, you've come to trust Jesus. You've turned from your sin. You're trusting Him as your Savior. I would be willing to bet. I'm not a gambler, but I'd be willing to bet that someone was praying for you. I don't think it happened without that. Who was it? Your parents? A friend? It's, it's interesting when I ask people that question, how often the word grandma comes up. Just like those praying grandmas. Just, was, there, was there a grandmother praying for you? I, I bet somebody was praying. I bet they were. I wonder if you want to just sometime today take a moment to thank God for that person, right? Now, there may be some here, and you've, you've not yet come to know Christ as your Savior and trusted Him that way. And, and listen, we want you to know we love you. You're welcome here. We're not going to twist your arm. We want you to take all the time in the world to listen, but we do want you to know that, that uh, we will be praying for you, just asking God to work in a, just a, a personal way that's tailor-made for the questions of your heart to help you come to understand your need for Christ and, more than that, His love for you. The, the gospel is, oh, man, it's broader than the whole ocean. This is for everyone. But it's narrower than a needle. So it's urgent that we pray. So why don't we pray right now? Would you join me? Father, we thank you for your love for everyone in this world, a love that moved you to send your son to die on the cross for your people. We thank you for the, the joyful message that this salvation is offered freely to anyone who will receive it. And, and right now, as faces and names come to our mind of people who perhaps need to receive that, God, we just lift them up to you. Right now, bring faces to mind. We lift them up to you. God, won't you be merciful? graciously send your word and your spirit to them. Bring them to new life. Give them the gift of faith and repentance and bring them alive in Jesus. And if there's anyone in this room today who hasn't yet received that gift, we pray you do that for them, God, in your perfect timing, in your perfect way, for the glory of Christ, the mediator, the Savior, in his name, amen.